Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you'll find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows to do the same. This is not a grief group. This is your journey, and it just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of your loss. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of the book, Widowed, and of The Widow Coach. I'm also a professionally certified life coach. Let the healing and the personal journey back to who you are begin. Today, I want to talk about something that is, um, oh gosh, almost guaranteed to come up when you become widowed, and that is how to sleep. I've heard this over and over again. You guys, I have talked to literally thousands of widows now. Besides being a widow myself and experiencing this, and I'm still experiencing this. Sleep is one of the big issues that arises for us because suddenly we don't sleep. And it's not suddenly. I mean, there's a lot of mitigating issues and thoughts that come up around it. So I wanted to talk about that today a little bit with you, give you some practical application tips uh, to help you sleep and get good sleep, the importance of getting good sleep, especially as a widow, especially when we are in the stress of those first few months, that first two years as a widow is stressful and it puts our health at risk when we're under stress and it's going to complicate that and put your health even further at risk if you're not getting the sleep you need. So let's, let's talk about sleep after becoming widowed. And I can talk to you about my own sleep after becoming widowed because yeah, I didn't sleep. It was hard to go to sleep. I can remember vividly that first night, eyes open almost all night. It's like my whole body was just vibrating, really. And I didn't fall asleep until about six o'clock in the morning. And about seven o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call that woke me up. <laughs> it's like, great, you know? Um, so here's what it was for me. It took me a while to really start to pin down some good sleep hygiene, for lack of a better term, around it, so that I could start getting better sleep. And it was critical for me. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis a little over 20 years ago. So sleep is of critical importance for me because my neurologic function is slightly compromised. And if I don't get good sleep, I'm a real wreck the next day. If I stay up too late and not go to sleep, I actually begin slurring my words because my, my neurological patterns are slowed down as a result of the multiple sclerosis. I giggle because it usually happens when I fly out to California to visit my daughter because it's a long flight and I will get there late and we will go have Mexican food, guaranteed, she knows. And she gets me from the airport, she takes me straight to Mexican food. And then we will end up staying up way too late chatting just because it's so good to get together and be able to talk to each other in person. 
And there have been times that we've been up late chatting when my daughter has said, oh, time to put mommy to bed. You're starting to slur your, your words now. So this is how I know this happens. So sleeping was really difficult. And I think initially, of course, it was the shock of the loss and the sadness. But it was also a great deal of fear keeping me awake at night because I was here by myself. And there goes that tagline thought, you guys. And we're going to get into tagline thoughts maybe in an episode before this because right now I'm just recording episodes at random. It's all the things I want to talk to you guys about. But the tagline thought all by myself, but that's what I was telling myself. I am here all by myself. And I had never been all by myself before for long extended periods. And I began to feel fearful and unsafe being here by myself. I began telling myself that, you know, anybody could like break in and I might not hear them. You know, they'll get upstairs and get me. (laughs) Okay. Forget the fact that I live next door to a retired sheriff who is a wonderful neighbor. I have a couple of police officers that live on my block. The mayor lives on my block. It's probably the safest street in my neighborhood, safest street in my town to live on. Still, fear was keeping me awake at night. I was fearful of falling asleep and somebody breaking in or the house catching on fire or some other terrible calamity. I don't know. Just all those thoughts were in my head. And you know, I'm all about what we're telling ourselves because I know so powerfully that what we tell ourselves creates our feelings that create the results we're getting in our life. And the things I was telling myself at night was creating results of not getting sleep. Forget all the physiological factors that can prevent you from being able to sleep after loss. All of the thoughts and feelings I was having was also working against getting a decent night's sleep. So what can I tell you about the fear? I can tell you that you want to invest in anything that is going to make you feel safer, right? This is the practical side of this outside of looking at your thoughts and what you're telling yourself at night. Clearly, you want to look at your thinking because with the best security system on the planet, if you're still telling yourself, oh my gosh, somebody could break in and get me. (laughs) you're not going to sleep. And is it a rational thought? I mean, you really have to analyze that. Is there a chance somebody could break in and get you? Of course, there always has been. Even before you were widowed, there was always a chance that people could come into your house and get you both, right? (laughs) These are the things we tell ourselves. I will tell you how I overcame that thought. And this is kind of hilarious when I look back on it. It's not what I recommend, But I think one night, shortly after Jim died, I was so exhausted because I was not getting the sleep I needed. And this is the thought that allowed me to go to sleep. I don't care if they break in and kill me because I just need to sleep at this point. And I rolled over and went to sleep. No, it's not. As I said, that's not the thought that I recommend. But I'm telling you, that sincerely was the thought that allowed me to sleep. Was at this point, I don't care what happens. 
I really don't care. I just need to sleep. And I hope if they're going to break in here and kill me, I'm, they're not going to wake me up anytime too soon that I actually get some sleep before that happens. Now, you may be laughing because it makes me laugh when I think about it, right? Like, boy, what a great coach I am. What a great thought, right? But that was the thought. I'm being honest with you here, I'm being totally transparent with you. And I'm telling you the thought, let me go to sleep. So it might be a thought that lets you go to sleep when you go to bed and think, is it worth it to stay up all night freaking out about this? Or can I just say, screw it, go to sleep and hope they don't break in and wake me up too soon? Okay, sometimes that's what it takes to be able to go to sleep if fear is what is keeping you back. The practical measures, as I said, get a security system. They are not like super expensive anymore. It's not like you have to get one of those systems that shows they've got operators on call 24 hours. There are great computerized systems you can buy and put in your house that detect motion, set off alarms, look into it. You can have um, your smartphone next to your bed that they have applications. I know my iPhone has an application that I can trigger it to dial 911 and send my GPS location. So you might want something like that next to your bed, maybe just a hot button. You don't need the whole security system installed in your house, but you just want them to come put on, put in a hot button next to your bed, which is, it's just what it sounds like. It's like you've got this little box with a red button on it next to your bed. And if at any time somebody is in your house or you wake up and your house is on fire or whatever, you can hit that button and they'll send help, right? So you can have that panic button next to your bed. You can get an Apple watch that you can summon help on. All kinds of practical measures you can take that will help you have better thoughts because that's what happens. It's not having a panic button next to your bed that allows you to sleep. It's what you tell yourself now that you have the panic button, <laughs> right? You tell yourself, okay, I'm safe. I can get help easily. So now I can sleep. And then you go to sleep. It always comes back to our thoughts. And the truth is you can think that even without the panic button, you can put a fake panic button next to your bed and pretend and tell yourself, anything happens, I can hit that button and I'm going to be okay. Wouldn't that be good? That would be like, what was that Staples commercial that had the big red button? It was the easy button. <laughs> what if we had an okay button? Oh my gosh, I could market this. It could just be a plain box with a button on it. But it could be the okay button. And we could tell ourselves, anytime I need to, I could hit that button and it's going to be okay. No matter what it is right? If I have to file my taxes, if I have to do legal work, one of my widowed followers posted recently, she was doing taxes and said, if I have to sign one more time as surviving spouse, I'm just going to die, right? She could have the it's okay button and say, it's okay. I'm going to be okay. I can keep signing as the surviving spouse, and I'm not going to die. It's okay. I'm going to have an okay button. So one of my first tips is take whatever measures you need to allow you to think that you are safer in your environment and can go ahead and sleep. 
if that is keeping you up. And understand that really it's your thinking. It's the thought you're telling yourself. I had a ridiculous thought that I don't care anymore if they come kill me because I flat need to sleep. <laughs> and it worked. I went to sleep. So funny. Other practical tips because there are practical tips. Now this is called coaching from the A-line. I know you don't know what that means unless you're one of my coaches, that it means I am telling you actions you can take instead of fixing your thoughts. But I'm not there sitting right next to you where I can coach your thoughts. Although I do a pretty good job at that, don't you think? I so often have widows email me and say, are you in my head? How can you be inside my head that you know what I'm thinking? But as I said, it's because I've walked the walk. I know. I know what you're thinking. So other practical things is start trying to stick to a sleep schedule. Same bedtime, same wake up time. If you're not doing that now, even on the weekends and we get into, um, really bad cycles sometimes right after becoming widowed because we are having trouble going to sleep. As a result, we end up staying in bed later. And we end up staying in bed even later because we have the thought of what is, what's worth getting up for, right? Why do I even want to get up? When I wake up, my first thought is he's dead and it makes me want to just go back to sleep again. Start making yourself stick to a schedule. Now, I have shared before that I do not use an alarm clock unless it's like some special occasion, some special thing. If I have to get up and go to the airport, of course, I set an alarm. But for day to day, I don't use an alarm clock. Does that mean I sleep till 10 p.m.? No. Or I mean 10 a.m. <laughs> some days it feels like I can sleep till 10 p.m. No, my, I have myself so trained that I wake up at 6.30 or 7 o'clock, like on a regular basis. Between 6.30 and 7, I wake up. Sometimes I wake up at 5.30 and then I'm like, oh, no, I got another hour. <laughs> Go back to bed. But I've kind of regulated my body clock and that helps me wake up and I avoid the temptation to tell myself, oh, it's Saturday. I can just stay here for a couple more hours because I know it's going to mess me up throughout the week when I want to be up by 7 o'clock right? So stick to a bedtime and wake up time. Practice a relaxing bedtime ritual. It may sound dumb, but really find an activity that first of all, gets you away from bright lights, like your computer screen, your TV screen, curling up with a cup of tea and a book before bed is really a great thing to do. And if you start telling yourself, like, it doesn't have to be a book that is a story that you're going to try to read, but maybe it's one of those kind of books where you could just dip in and read a little bit anywhere and get a cup of tea and just make it a habit that you are going to take 30 minutes before bed every night, every evening, you're going to give yourself the gift of 30 minutes to sit down and read and have a cup of tea. It will start to trigger in your brain that you are going to bed in 30 minutes and going to sleep. It's like putting your brain on notice, 
Like, hey, we're going to go to bed. One of the things I did when I bought my house upstate, and this was one of the best things that I did, because it was the first time I'd ever had a house that was two stories. I always lived in California ranches, and then I moved to New York, and I lived in um, New York condos. So when I bought my house upstate, the bedroom was upstairs. And I thought, oh, this is fascinating because I will make this rule for myself that first of all, I will never eat upstairs in bed <laughs> so that food does not go upstairs. And I made my bedroom fairly minimalistic up there. There's not a lot of stuff in my bedroom because I don't live in my bedroom. I lived in the downstairs of my house. So when I go upstairs, my brain knows I'm going up there to go to bed and sleep. I don't do other things up there in my bed. Well, we did some other things upstairs in the bedroom, okay? But that was also a trigger ritual to go to sleep. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I don't watch TV upstairs in my bedroom. There's no TV. There's really no distractions at all. So you really want to create a bedtime ritual and start to key down your activities right before you go to bed so that you are not like staring at a computer screen and then trying to go lay down and go to sleep or staring at the television and then laying down and try to go to sleep. You need a little transition in there. Avoiding naps. Now, I know so many women, I hear this from so many other women and I thought it was just me. I cannot nap in the daytime. Not under normal conditions. If I'm coming down with the flu, I can. <laughs> okay. Um, if I have had surgery and I'm on pain medications, I can sleep in the middle of the day. But under normal circumstances, I can go lay down for an hour if I'm really exhausted. But I don't really fall asleep. I'm just not a nap person. And taking naps, although it's good if you're extremely exhausted, but also understand that if you take a long nap, it's going to throw off your rib rhythms in the evening. Okay, so you want to not take overly long naps. You can power nap. If you can lay down and go to sleep for 20 minutes, go for it. Go for it. I just can't do that. And any time that I have been able to nap in the afternoon, I like go out. I go out for like two, three hours. And then I wake up and I'm groggy and I'm cranky and I don't feel good. <laughs> it's not worth it. I find with widows, it's not so much about napping as it is about sleeping too late into the morning once we do get to sleep. Okay. So you want a ritual that sets you up for your sleep. You want your environment to be as uncluttered as possible in your bedroom. If you have clutter in there and you don't want to take the time to declutter, move the clutter out of the bedroom. Just put it somewhere else. You want your bedroom to not be cluttered. You want it to be cool. Ideal sleeping temperature is between 60 and 67 degrees. If 60 degrees is too cold for you, it's too cold for me. My ideal is around 65 degrees. I'm totally comfortable. Free from noise, free from light. I found this amazing thing when I was struggling to sleep right after I became widowed. And then I, um, it was six months after I was widowed, seven months after I was widowed, I flew out to California and I was staying in a hotel 
And I found that I was sleeping like a log in that hotel. And I really did the analysis of it. And I think one thing was that I felt safer in the hotel room, right? Because I don't know, I just felt safer. That door had a thousand locks and who's going to even get in that room? My bigger fear was that I, I would die in my hotel room and nobody could get in to find my body because it was so locked up. My gruesome thoughts, aren't, aren't they amazing? Uh, but the other thing was they had, you know, of course, blackout drapes. And in this particular hotel room, there were not a lot of other little things with lights on them. Like, you know, the, a bedside clock that had light on it and stuff like that. This bedroom in this hotel room was pitch black and I slept like a log. And then I realized that my bedroom, it was not pitch black. And at that time, I still had an alarm clock on my nightstand and it had this blue light that was like hitting me in the face at night. So um, I came home. And after I kind of analyzed that, I thought, hmm, let me look at my environment up there. And I got rid of the alarm clock because the truth was I wasn't even using it anymore. So I unplugged that and removed it. And I started looking for other things that had like little tiny lights on them. Like I have this dimmer switch for my bedside lamp and it has a red light on it. So I put black electrician's tape over that little red light dot because I don't need that to know that I'm using the dimmer. I know when I'm using the dimmer, right? I began to really block out and darken my bedroom more and more. It made a difference. Okay. You want to sleep on a comfortable mattress and pillows. If you need to get yourself some nice new, amazing pillow that's free of allergens, Try it. Try new pillows. You're going to try anything. Avoid alcohol, cigarettes, heavy meals in the evening. If you're still having trouble sleeping, you can take melatonin. Now, if you have health issues and stuff or you're on prescription medications that could interfere, you might want to check with your doctor. This is my official disclaimer. But melatonin is what the chemical that our brain releases as the sun goes down. It's our, that's what sets our circadian rhythms, part of what sets those rhythms in your body. And you can walk into the health store, probably even your pharmacy sells melatonin tablets on the counter. They're over the counter. Now I was a little afraid of melatonin because I had tried it some years ago dealing with some insomnia issues. And I found that I, when I first took the amount that it said on the bottle, I had bizarre dreams. I mean, bizarre dreams. And I said, I don't need this. Oh my gosh. But when I talked to my doctor about it, after Jim passed away and that I was having trouble sleeping and he suggested melatonin. And I said, you know, melatonin just gives me really bizarre dreams. I don't like it. I kept cutting down the dose. I was taking like down to like half a milligram, one third of a milligram. And he said, Joanne, no, no, take it like several hours before you go to bed so that it has time to kick in and 
it will wear off in time and you won't get the bizarre dreams. And I was suspicious, <laughs> like, really? So I went and bought um, tablets that were three milligrams. Now they have them up to 10 milligrams. I would be really leery about taking 10 milligrams of melatonin. I don't think you need it. I don't think it's good, but that's just me. Again, like I said, you can talk to your own doctor about it. If you want to talk to a doctor about it, melatonin is really safe. Um, and what I do is about six o'clock in the evening, actually, I take melatonin. I don't go to bed until after nine o'clock. But I found that, yeah, I could take the three milligram tablet of melatonin after dinner and then when I went, by the time I would go to bed, I would be ready to fall asleep. And I also was not getting all the bizarre dreams as a side effect of the melatonin. You don't want to take melatonin for the rest of your life. It's not that kind of thing. But taking it for a few weeks is going to help you get your sleep back on track and back on rhythm. So the melatonin can help. I find now I don't take it every night, but if I have a night where I'm having trouble sleeping and that I didn't sleep well, then the next evening I will take a melatonin to help get myself back on track right away. I don't let it go for like several nights of struggling to sleep. If I struggle to sleep one night, then the next night I will have a melatonin to get myself right back on track sleeping. So those are the practical, some of the practical things you can do to try to achieve better sleep. The biggest thing though is honestly, it's what you are telling yourself. It's what you're thinking about before bed. It's watching TV too long before bed. If you still have trouble, you can also try listening to a podcast. I love to listen to podcasts. There are podcasts that I will put on to listen to and go to sleep with. I've had listeners tell me that they were going to sleep with my podcast and I don't mind. If you put on my podcast and you fall asleep and don't listen to me till the end, my feelings are not hurt. As a matter of fact, I'm really touched. When the first listener that told me Listening to your podcast is the only way I've been able to go to sleep since becoming widowed. I sat here and cried. It just, it was so touching to me. So yes, you can even listen to this podcast and I'll try to keep the laughter down to a minimum so you can drift off. <laughs> okay. Or there are lots of other podcasts. There are podcasts that tell stories. There are podcasts that talk about TV shows. I love those. I'm such a junkie, but it is so much more fun if you are really into a TV show, if you can find a podcast where they discuss the episode after you've watched the episode. Podcasts are a wonderful way to drift drift off to sleep as long as they're not on a continual loop and play all night because they can wake you back up again too. You want a podcast that's going to play and then stop. Okay. Um, if you have an Amazon Echo, I have a little dot 
upstairs in my bedroom, not that expensive to get an Echo Dot, and it will play um, meditation music, it will play soft classical music, it'll play ocean sounds, it'll play podcast, Alexa will tell me a story, um, <laughs> you know, all of that. That can help you sleep too. I hope you have pleasant dreams and can find a way to cycle your sleep back around with some soothing decaf tea, a nice book to read a little bit in before you go upstairs and acknowledge to yourself that you are safe. And the trade-off is some really great sleep. Talk to you all next time.